Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the ramp room. Tons won't be bit. Ain't no rules. Just spill it and anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. You tuning in to the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. Any topic. Even the random. Yeah, I hope that you ready. We entering in the zone soon. We gonna grow shit. Welcome to the ramp room. That's it. That's all I got to say. What's up, y'all? It's your boy. Hilliard guess. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> I'm all I guess, smiling. I know. You. Stop. Just stop it. <laughs> and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. I told you we're going to be silly, girl. <laughs> um, almost forgot what the damn show okay. is about. <laughs> What's your name again? Okay. Uh, Who are you? Take two. Okay. Take two. Okay. Here okay. we go. So mm-hmm. on this show, we discuss entertainment, mm-hmm. TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft. Yes. What we like to say. Yes. Shit like that. Shit like that. <laughs> Mark yes. is like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We got a cool one on today. I like that. We got a cool one on today. So y'all hear her voice. Mm-hmm. That's my girl. Yes. Lisa Bolacazo. Who Margaret. We call her the street nerdist. Mm-hmm. What we call you that? The street nerdist? Yeah. Because I can keep a street. And what else? Or I can go academic <laughs> and really nerdy on you. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, I cold switch all the time, depending on the situation. True. You know, also professional agitator. <laughs> you know, I try. Get it in, girl. Mm-hmm. Get it in. I try. So that's Lisa B over there. Now, and I am Hilliard Guest. So check it out, y'all. If y'all grown, let's get it in. Mm-hmm. One little quick little side note. We got my man sitting in with us. We have this little section we do every once in a while. We have a baby writer sitting with us. And they just sit and listen, see what's going on. Sometimes I put them on the mic, let them say a little onesie twosies. <laughs> Actually, I had them on with Wilson at first because Lisa was running a little late. She's on staff on this thing. She's been busy. So um, my man, Gary, I can never fucking say his name. He said it three times today. Gurrier, like Perrier. Gurrier, like Perrier. Like he all cool, like he's French or something. <laughs> like he one of them black French dudes or something. <laughs> you probably got some Creole in your family back in the day somewhere with that name. Okay, two for one. That's, that's a cousin right there. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So check it out, y'all. If you guys are grown, let's get it in. Mm-hmm. We got my girl, my home team, my new cousin, <laughs> 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 Margaret. Is it Nigel or Nagel? Nagel. Nagel. Like Nagel. bagel. But I'm not Jewish. It's Nagel. Nagel, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody thinks you are, right? Uh, yes, with red hair and uh, green uh, eyes. Yes. <laughs> She's a ginger, y'all. A ginger. I'm, I'm a ginger Jew. <laughs> exactly. So we got my girl, Margaret Nagel, here, you guys. Film, TV writer, producer, former actor. Can I say former actress? Yeah, sure. Former actress. What else? I know I'm getting forgetting nine other hyphenates in there. Um, th- those are all my hyphenates, I think. That's those pretty much waitress. Um, <laughs> uh, sold bags out of the trunk of my car okay. for a while oh there. Hustler. I've, I've, Hustler. I've, Hustler. I've done yes. everything. Exactly. I've done everything. Exactly. Yes. yes. That's what's up. So, my girl, you guys, you guys need to freaking go on IMDb, Google the bitch. Mm-hmm. Google the bitch. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't mean that necessarily. Oh, no. I'm so flattered you called me a bitch. That's so great. <laughs> I forgot she'd be hanging around with some crews. Okay. I'm the queen. <laughs> She's like, I'm the queen of the fat okay. guys. What are you talking about? <laughs> we sure so, you've seen her stuff. Go ahead. Okay, go, look. Go, give her, give her. Nominated. Mm-hmm. I'm talking the Humanities Award, um, the Emmys, the Image Awards. 
What you got? Nine, ten in Writer Guild Awards. What you got? <laughs> I'm I'm just about to get a third Writer's Guild Award. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me get you mm-hmm. a high five. All right. Myself. All right. So a special award. Mm-hmm. What's it called? It's the it's the Paul Selvin Award for writing that exemplifies human rights. Oh wow. And to the Bill of Rights and upholding the Constitution. Mm, wow. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. Right. Someone was noticing. Right. Was that for the lie, or which one was that? It's for, for the good lie. The good and, lie. Wow. Okay. And then I I also got this award from the Writers Guild, the Media Access Award this okay. year because um, of the way I portray disability and mm-hmm. so on in, in, in my work, and it's no big deal. Okay. It's just everybody, mm-hmm. you know, I, right. I kind of like to write the world the way the world Thank is. Thank you. We were just talking about that. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. Ten minutes before you walked in the door. Yeah, I'll uh, talk about it all day okay. long because I get, I get in fights all the time mm-hmm. with all my work. <laughs> Oh my I heard you got a potty mouth, girl. Let's get. I it. have a really bad mouth too. I'm so sorry. I made the guys at Boardwalk blush with my language. <laughs> oh <laughs> well, that's what's up. So let's just get a little into where you're from, how you got into the game, and I want to spend a lot of time talking about writing and your projects and what's next and stuff like that. Okay. Well, I was born in Berkeley, and uh, I grew up in Berkeley and Oakland, California, mm-hmm. and so that was. And then I would go every summer to my grandmother who had a farm in Missouri, mm-hmm. and that was always a huge culture shock to come from Berkeley, Oakland. Yeah. Everything's mm-hmm. cool. You know, you've you've got this huge Asian population mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. You've got African Americans. You got everybody under the sun, and then you go to Missouri, and it was like, <laughs> what are all these white people doing here? This is so freaky deaky. Uh, and I was actually, I was bust when I was a kid and was the only white girl in my class in an all-black school. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, See, and, that shows in your work, too. Yeah. You were really good. Let me interrupt you. But you were really good about diversifying, if that's a word, yeah. your cats. You think like that. Well, you know I, I, mean? I think like that because that's how the world that's really the world is. So I don't understand what the issue is. Oh, I sort of, my it's, and, <laughs> and I also love, um, really talented people and I love great actors mm-hmm. and most of my favorite actors, uh, you know, to be a good actor, you have to have this, this range of emotion that you mm-hmm. can access. Mm-hmm. And, and that means you have to have lived a life and you have to know what, um, pain is and disappointment is, and you have to know to write through it and you have mm-hmm. to have a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And so, so often than not, I will find that in actors who are not white. <laughs> but they are. <laughs> Margaret, it's okay. <laughs> she can all stop. Oh, it's okay. It's white people. You know, and they come in and they'll read and they'll be like, yes, I went to the store. And then you have an African-American actor come in and go, I went to the store, but let me tell you what I saw. You know, and you're just going, oh, but you fall, you fall into it. You fall into it. So um, I've always been in like, I I had a show, my first show I ever had, I ended up uh, casting a Hispanic actress as the lead Mm -hmm. on the show. And Mm -hmm. Lifetime had never had a Hispanic lead on any of their shows. And I was like, yeah, but she's the best actress of the part. She's killing it. She's killing it. So, and and of course the audience loved her and it was Mm -hmm. great. And she got more fan mail than the skinny white actress. And that was great. (laughs) So it was, I, I want to see the world that I know and understand mm-hmm. when I watch something and, and not from a narcissistic place. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, the world has to be my limited version. I want the world to expand, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, but so that's, and then I moved to the, to the East coast as a kid for a while. And 
everybody where I lived was, I lived in Connecticut and everybody was white and I was so shocked, you know, we're the black people. <laughs> Nobody was Asian. We're, we're my friends. Right, we're the people who right. are like, and, uh, and then when I went to college, uh, one of my very best friends is Af- African American and my best friend from growing up mm. from Oakland is African American from oh, Oakland. Yeah. So, uh, and I used to go, this was hilarious. I would go on vacation with them and her dad was in freight and her mom worked, uh, at the Alameda at the Naval base. Okay. And, uh, I go with all her brothers and sisters and then I'd be the white kid and we go, you know, <laughs> gambling at Cal Neva. We go do like things. And- so I grew up in Palo Alto. So mm-hmm. Oh, so, you know, yeah. oh, well, that's kind of fancy. No, but he's a <laughs> <laughs> <Isai> girl. <laughs> So anyway, I just, and then I lived in New York City. I was an actress, not a very good one, but I was very enthusiastic about it. And, uh, and I often found myself cast on shows like the Robert Guillaume show or, or Fresh Prince mm-hmm. or in situations that were a lot more interesting. Like those were the shows, the sitcoms that wanted me. What was another, there was another African-American sitcom. I would always get like called back for those shows, mm-hmm. but I think it was because I was most comfortable in those rooms. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. It yeah. was, they would laugh and, and I felt really free making fun of myself too. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, speaking of making fun of yourself, did you always have that humor? I noticed even in what appears to be a drama for you, it's always humor. I, I mean, yes. major part of your has it always been it's there? It's been Arsenal. Awesome. Well, I think that, yes, it has been there, but I, I grew up in the most humorless household. Really? Like, they n- no one laughed in my house. So, oh, my God. Uh, it was so sad. It was, it was sad. It was oh. very sad. It was really serious. Mm-hmm. So I would go uh, find friends that would appreciate my humor, and I would sort of, like, uh, get out of the house and be okay. funny, you know? So, <laughs> and then I would come back home, and I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, I, and, and I use humor in all my writing because... Life is devastatingly funny, even mm-hmm. the most hideous, horrible moments. Yes. And that is how we survive mm-hmm. with our spirit intact. Sure. So that's, that's why it's there. Oh, oh. And then I went, I did as a kid, this was really freaked me out. One of my cousins from the South went to camp in Georgia, mm-hmm. in the backwoods of Georgia, yeah. to this camp. And I, got, I showed up at this camp, and it was brutal. They mm-hmm. called me Yankee Cracker. Oh, they told me about the, the reversal. I got the reversal. And I yeah. was completely shunned. The entire time wow. I was at camp, and uh, and Jeez. I got and I got really really sick at the camp, and mm-hmm. like they didn't call a doctor. They were like they hated me at this wow. camp, and the camp had a Confederate flag in the <laughs> in the cabin. I mean, I was just I was just stunned, and that was a lot of that experience is what I drew on for Warm Springs. That ended okay. up being very so. I I've used all these places I've lived and people I've met. They go right back into the work. Okay. They're, they fuel everything that mm-hmm. I do. There's always some connective experience. Like even with Boardwalk Empire, mm-hmm. I had had this business where I sold purses oh, really? uh, sort of under the radar. Mm-hmm. And so I, out there hustling. I, I, I knew how to create a business out of the house that mm-hmm. was, you know, kind of on the edge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you need suppliers and you've got to go here and you want to get this and you want to get that. Mm-hmm. And so. Wait, it, are you sure you were selling purses? <laughs> Purses are a drug for women. Oh my God. They are a drug for women. Got that coach bag. Got that coach bag. Oh, I got the coach bag. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. That's a good point. Wow. Oh my God. She's a. I know. It's like this is a whole different, you know, Mm -hmm. perspective. (laughs) On Margaret, you're like, all right, hustling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> so when did, when did you finally come out to L.A.? When did that happen? I came out to L.A. because my boyfriend at the time came out to L.A. He was an actor, and mm. he was coming out for pilot season, and I sort of came to get him settled. Mm. And I was sitting at Warner Brothers having lunch with a friend of his, and this casting director called my friend and said, is, is she an actress? I love her look. Mm-hmm. I want to meet with her. And I had just done a play in New York that people had seen, and so – uh, she heard I was a good actress, and mm. so she sent me to an agent. The agent <laughs> sent me on my first audition. Mm. It was for a pilot, and I got the pilot. Wow! And suddenly I was and uh, okay. We we over with this show. This so, okay. So you know. I, I've always, but no, I've always had this weird beginner's luck, mm-hmm. and then it gets real. Oh, okay. So I've always mm-hmm. had, and I don't understand why I have that beginner's luck, mm-hmm. but I do. But then. It doesn't. I don't end up skipping any steps because mm. I got the first thing I auditioned for, and then I whatever it was that I brought into that room that was not self-conscious and really free. I went, "What was that? What did oh, I do?" And then okay. I went into twelve rooms where mm. I was completely self-conscious <laughs> and I sucked. So wow, it's always been a wow. a, yeah. a very hard thing to. And, mm-hmm. and with my writing, I had success right away, and then it got real, mm. right? So it's always mm. so I've always had doors open. But then they shut, or they they they. It gets... Because I, I can relate to this. Lisa and I talk about it all the time. We always are like right on the edge of something, and then, boom. Right. Like we never quite get that next little thing. That next push. That mm-hmm. next little thing. You know, I know. I've been in many writers' rooms, but they've always been like independent. I've never been into the system yet. I could never, but I, I, I maintain I never would have made it into the system. Hmm. I had to have written a spec script and had to have been made uh, as a movie. Mm-hmm. I never would have been able to break into TV. I never could have come up through the writer's room system wow. ever. I would have been clobbered. Yeah, yeah. So I think that sometimes. So why do you, why do you think that is? Because of what? Because um, they're so clubby and closed. Yeah. And I'm a very um, transparent mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, you know, it was always those clubby, closed people on the playground, those mean mm-hmm. girls that would beat the crap out of me mm-hmm. or be like, hey, Margaret, we're having a party at 2 o'clock. Want to come? Oh, yeah, I really do. And, of course, it would be an alley and there'd mm-hmm. be, you know, no, there was no party. You know, mm-hmm. I was always like, mm-hmm. don't people mean what they say? Mm-hmm. Well, no, and not in a writer's <laughs> room. So I, I was like, my talent is going to have to do I'm going to have to write something that is irrefutable that is undeniable mm-hmm. and then I get to skip all those steps okay. and just I'm in the same place so I totally understand that that's yeah. exactly my thought too yeah. is fuck the whole system and to write that kick ass pilot yes. like we got to make this motherfucker right. Right. that's right, right. Yeah. that's right and right. so uh and otherwise I never so I had to have that ticket out mm-hmm. of the place that I was stuck and no mm-hmm. one was going to help me but me now, when did you know that you wanted to write? Because you came here to act at first, right? So I came to act. Shift? It shifted. I was on the set of a movie mm-hmm. um, that I was doing, and it was the biggest part. It was the first movie. I Okay, I get the first movie, right? <laughs> I just right before. Here. I was like, <laughs> I, I get the movie. first movie. I get this movie. <laughs> and I was off six weeks on location. And... Um, all I just fell into what making a film was. Mm. I was always talking to the DP. I was always talking to the production designer. I was mm-hmm. talking to the costume designer. I was 
looking at everything but what I had to do in the next scene. Interesting. And wow. I kept talking to the producers, and, and they let me go to the dailies. And really? I just, I was like, I'm here, I'm all by myself. Mm -hmm. I'm with, you know, the cast was insane. And I was sort of like, <laughs> yeah, I'll go I to the bar, I'm a little dailies. You know, I'll, I'll go watch these dailies, I'll mm -hmm. go. And so I just went, this is a real opportunity. No film mm -hmm. school's going to let me work sure. with an Academy Award winning DP mm -hmm. and a cat, every, everybody had won the Academy Award for their department. Mm -hmm. So I just, and even the line producer had, <laughs> he was a great line producer. So I just said, teach me while I'm sitting around, wow. show me what you do. Mm -hmm. And I, and they were happy to share with me what they, what they did. And so I, that was my first clue. I went, this is far more interesting to me yeah. than, um, learning my lines for the next scene. I'm not, I'm not, curing cancer, mm -hmm. you know, playing this little part. And I don't think that I actually, I'm not beautiful enough or I'm not funny, not you know, girl. but you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not, there are a million women that want to do what I oh, yeah. am attempting to. Sure. Why should I be one in, in that group when this yeah. is actually what's interesting me far more. Right. Even makeup and hair, I would sit and talk to them and ask them really? these questions about what mm -hmm. their approach and design was. So that was the first clue. And I thought, oh, I'll be a producer. I want to produce. Mm. And so I found a story that I set, I was able to set up with a writer at Universal. Okay. And then... Uh, and then I set up another project at HBO, and I, I really oh was God. able to like. I was an actress. This and bitch is too I'm lucky for me. Sit. I know. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, Danny Strong, mm -hmm. uh, Empire. Ooh, mm -hmm. he. Um, I was with him yesterday, mm -hmm. and we were talking about because he was an actor too. How when you're pitching a story. You understand how to describe the character, how to describe mm -hmm. what's really dramatic mm -hmm. because you've been an actor. Mm -hmm. So because when you're an actor, you're training. Mm -hmm using other people's writing, true. True. right? Yeah. So you're already exposed to writing by putting it up on its feet mm -hmm. from, from acting and you're a good communicator. So we were talking about how, and when you're an actor, you like to take direction. Mm -hmm. So when they give you notes at a studio, particularly even bad ones, mm -hmm. you don't take the bad note, but you really consider what's behind the note, right. yes. which is something right. that people who are trained in screenwriting, they don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, if I could go sit down with all my screenwriting buddies and say, I'm going to teach you how to behave in a meeting <laughs> with a studio a and a network yeah, or whoever so you don't self-destruct yes. in that room mm -hmm. because that's the big that's the danger zone that is quicksand for a writer sure. when you go get notes on that script sure. that you have busted your ass on right. you have you're living you're breathing it you're spending 24 hours a day mm -hmm. pouring your heart and soul and brain into this Pete, this, mm -hmm. you know, those pages, and they're like, doesn't have to be set in East Africa, because I was an African studies minor in college, oh, and I think Sudan <laughs> is so depressing, <laughs> and I think, and you're just sitting there going, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill you. If there was a shank you. in my purse, I'm right taking now. this <laughs> this pen and I'm putting it through your eyeball, <laughs> and you have to be like. Oh, wow. Oh, how fun. You were in Africa. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you probably studied the Harlem Renaissance and not Africa, bitch. Mm. But <laughs> you think that's, but, okay. So, you know, you know why it has to be in Sudan? Because 
It's a true story, and it really happened there. And it happened in this place. And he says, yeah, but I really love Senegal. I said, I love Senegal, too. Great people, good fun, great music. Mm-hmm. This happened in Sudan, okay. right? So you have to... There's you, rules and There's shit. rules and shit, right? <laughs> so, but you have to... You, you can't throttle them. You have to work... Within what they're mm-hmm. saying, you sure. can't shut down and get angry. Mm-hmm. You can't. It anger is great when you're writing, mm-hmm. but it's not great when you're meeting. The the incredible writer uh, Nick Kazan, who oh, wrote Reversal yeah. of Fortune, mm-hmm. who's the greatest guy, mm-hmm. so nice. He said, "Look, I consider myself. It's not that I'm paid to write the script because I would write whether I was paid or not. I'm mm-hmm. a writer. I'm paid to go to those meetings." And listen to their notes. So if that's the case, Mm -hmm. if I amortize Mm -hmm. the five meetings I have to go to into my paycheck, oh, my God, I'm getting so much money an hour Mm -hmm. to sit there. And he said, and it changes my attitude. I'm able to receive what they're saying rather than get defensive and pissed off. Mm -hmm. And then they hire another writer to do their notes, right? You, you, Mm -hmm. you fire yourself (laughs) when you act that way. So many of us do. Yes. And we all, I've done it. Mm -hmm. I've done it. I I was like kicked out of a meeting when I, I, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I said to this development executive, (laughs) and that was like, I was put on a, a, a list at, a major studio never allowed Ooh, to return. Damn. And I learned, okay. I mean, they're, they're not kidding around. So you have to, you know, the thing about writing a screenplay or okay. my poor agent, oh, my poor agent. Um, the thing of, is you're not writing a novel, right? This is, this is a screenplay. This is a TV show. It requires a whole bunch of other people besides sure. you to get it made. Mm-hmm. So you've got to suck it up mm-hmm. at, at, uh, politically. And I, and be and deliver it in the writing. Mm-hmm. So I'll get a bad note, but then I'll go, well, what's behind that note? Mm-hmm. What what happened five pages ago that they can't put their finger on that got them to to give me this note when mm-hmm. really it's not about moving the chair. If I just move the couch away from the door, they'd have a full view of the room <laughs> and the chair wouldn't bug them anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's your job is to really get behind these notes, interpret these notes, not take the notes personally because they don't know how to tell you sure. what it is they want. A lot of the time, right. there are very, very few people who know how to give notes well to a writer. Yeah, Cause I, I believe there's, and we talked about there's, there's the art to give you notes and there's an art to receiving them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the same, same thing you're mm-hmm. saying. You have mm-hmm. to dissect it and take it in and be like, okay, what they're saying is they didn't understand this because <laughs> I went to the left instead of to the right. And also <laughs> you know, because whatever. when you're living in your script and your story, you mm-hmm. know it backwards and forwards. Oh, yeah. And sometimes you can't see yes. what's glaring and whatever it is they're saying, even if you disagree with it, you've got to like take in consideration like, well, maybe – Maybe I missed something back here. Mm-hmm. I need to step back and look at that script and that story and what's that little thing that's bugging them. Figure out what that is mm-hmm. and use that constructively. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, so. So what made you start writing? So what happened was I developed all these screenplays. Mm-hmm. None of them got made. Okay. And I kept going, okay, I got one development fee. I have no money. Uh, all these writers got so paid. And, uh, yes. money, basically. and so <laughs> I had this idea about Warm Springs, about mm-hmm. FDR and his whole deal with polio. And I went to a producer and a friend of mine named Mark Gordon, great guy. Mm-hmm. And we went 
to go pitch it to a major screenwriter, Lawrence Kasdan, director. And that, I was that little writer. And, yeah, that, and, and I was that guy. That guy. He's amazing. <laughs> yes. And I was five minutes into the pitch, and Mark had sort of done the intro, sat me down with Lawrence, and then mm-hmm. Mark got up and left the room to take a call. We were at his office, mm-hmm. and I start pitching it to Lawrence Kasdan, and he goes, "Okay, okay, okay, stop, stop." And I'm like, "What?" And he goes. Why aren't you writing this? Wow, that's how I started writing. Somebody did that to me too. <laughs> and I went, excuse me? And he goes, and Lawrence Kasdan, I, I'm going to do a bad image. But Lawrence Kasdan talks like this. He has this lateral kind of thing, and it's right in here. And he goes, I can write it, but it won't change my life. Damn. If you write it, your life will never be the same. That sounds like some shit you would say, Gary. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa. And he, and he goes, um, and then he was, he said, are you in therapy? And I said, yes. And he goes, well, you got to fire your therapist because (laughs) you're a writer and it's, it's, it's all right here. I'm not going to write this. So, um, Mark came back in the room to sort of join the meeting and Lawrence Kasdan was like, well, that's it. I'm leaving. It's she's writing it. And Mark's like, what did you say to Lawrence Kasdan? What happened? How did you Jeez, I left you I know. Lawrence How did she mess this up? What did you do? I just took one phone call out the room. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, he thinks I had to write it and he's right. I do need to write this. And I had been working as an actress on my so-called life. And Winnie Holtzman, who created that show, she had taken me aside and said, I have really bad news for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Oh my God, I'm fired. She goes, no, 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 no. You're a writer. You think like a writer. Everything you ask, everything you're talking about is writing. And, uh, and you need to write. And I was like, oh, no, I don't know what she, I don't know, I don't know how to do that. And then this happened with Lawrence Kaz and I said to Mark Gordon, I said, I'm going to write this script. And he had a discretionary fund at the time. And I said, could you give me like a thousand dollars? You know? And he said, no, I won't give you anything. And I went, okay, bye. You know, out the door and uh i start. i was selling purses out of the trunk of my car to support myself and i wrote this script and it took me a couple years to write it Mm -hmm. because i knew enough that having read other writer scripts and having that five minutes in the world of being a producer Mm -hmm. that this i had one read from people they weren't gonna I couldn't go back five months later and say, oh, I made a lot of changes. Will you read it again? Wait, wait. It's can like, you say that one more game? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. It's like, say that one more time. No, you have one shot. Damn. You have one shot, one That's read. Real talk. It is. Mm-hmm. And so it had to be good. Mm-hmm. It had to be undeniably, awesomely great, perfect mm-hmm. when they read it. So mm-hmm. I did many, many, many drafts of this script. Ooh, yeah. And I kept going to writers that and I would ask a writer friend to read it, uh, a, but I'd only ask one writer at a time. Mm-hmm. And I also knew enough not to always take their notes. Mm-hmm. It just gave me a, a sort of a sense of where where it was or how it was being perceived. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I was in this writing, I joined this writing group. It's the only time I ever joined a writers group, and uh, I gave them the first draft. And it wasn't a very good writer's group. And they, the, the note was, and this is Warm Springs, what, what is polio? What? You know what? Are you serious? Okay, that's, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, and then oh my God. I, I was like, <laughs> okay, but here's the note behind the note. Mm. I haven't explained how friggin' scary, awful, dangerous polio is. Mm. 
I haven't. I haven't. You didn't set up the rules of it very well, then. Yeah, I hadn't set up. I made an assumption. Okay. And so I needed to make it scarier and darker, and not assume. That uh, people in their twenties yeah. really understood how dangerous polio was, mm-hmm. and uh, I've, never heard of polio. <laughs> I've never heard of what's polio. I was like, "Oh God, we're all going to hell." So anyway, I went, I fixed it, and then that writers' group shortly thereafter they kicked me out because they said I didn't work hard enough, which wow. was hilarious. So was okay. Yeah, so I was already like, "Okay, <laughs> group dynamic, maybe mm-hmm. it's not so good." So then um, I gave it to several different writers who gave me notes each time. Again, only sort of. Touching on things that, and I just got better every time I put the script down, went and sold more bags, came back and picked it up. Mm-hmm. I was ready to, because you do need to step back. Yes. It's, you have to step back from We <laughs> were just talking about that five minutes uh-huh. before you came in. Yeah, it, it's, it's vital. Mm-hmm. You almost, uh, Tony Kushner says, you have to sort of get lost from what you're writing. And then you come back and you realize, oh my God, I'm not lost at all. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But it, it sort of, to step back and get lost completely redirects you. What kind of time is that for you to, 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 to step away from it? How much time do you need? Um, sometimes I only need a day or sometimes all I, it's funny, the movie Fargo, mm-hmm. that act one of Fargo is so good. Oh so good. Sometimes I'll sit and I'll start watching Fargo and the creative, there's the part of me that's watching the film, but then there's that other part of my mind that's underneath that creative person right. that, right. that part, all creatives know that there's mm-hmm. another part of you that's always operating. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I'll be watching Fargo and I'll be like 10 minutes into the movie and I'll be like, Oh my God, I know what I'm doing. Okay. I have to go. <laughs> and I'll turn Didn't, it off. We, nice. we were just talking about the other day on another episode. I was telling her, there's whenever I don't ever get writer's block because when I do, I'm either reading or writing or writing or reading or something, mm-hmm. but I'll turn on a couple, there's two, three movies that I watch. I watch 15 minutes. I'm just like you mm-hmm. right back again. You're like reset. It's yeah. like the shower. Mm-hmm. It's that it's the shower that gets your brain going again, right. you know, and I'll go get in a shower or I take a nap. You know, people for writers, napping is a huge. Yeah, we don't do it enough. And we don't do it enough. Yes. And and writers, because it sends you into your subconscious mm-hmm. uh, when you start to go into that. Like once you're lying down for ten minutes, you go into a dream state that unlocks where the block, and then pretty soon your characters start talking, mm. and then you come out at, at Boardwalk Empire. Um, I was like, we all we have to have couches in all our offices so that we can <laughs> go take creative 10 minute naps mm-hmm. and come back and go, Oh my God, here's mm-hmm. what Nucky would do. Mm-hmm. Nucky would do this. Cause mm-hmm. I'm a big believer that y- y- you're just writing crap and throwing stuff at the wall. If you're not, you know, you're, you're making sausage sure. instead of really <laughs> creating good stuff without those, those naps. Um, you can't look at the thing you're doing just dead. It's like when you look at a person, mm-hmm. you can't just look at them in the face. I'm always laugh at actors who like, you know they're bad when they just stare at the other actor. <laughs> you know, you look away, you walk away, you pick mm-hmm. something up, you listen, mm-hmm. you come back, you come back, mm-hmm. you see the person, you exi- you know, that's and that's the same with writing. It's mm-hmm. the same with writing. So, I'm a big believer in those naps. So, I kept giving it to writers and then I gave it to this one writing warps race to a friend of mine. He read it and uh, he called me up and he goes, I'm so disappointed. I thought this would be so much better. Really? I was like, oh. And he Aww. was like, this just isn't, you're just not sticking it out there. You're not like pushing it to the limit. You're not, 
I'm not, it's too soft. It's too polite. You've got to take the gloves off. I mean, he goes, I mean, this is FDR. Just because he's in a friggin' wheelchair, I don't see the guy who 10 years later is going to try and bring down Hitler. Mm. I got to see that in this guy. I'm like, well, he's in a wheelchair and he's dead. He goes, I don't fucking care, Margaret. I'm not seeing the guy that's going to save the world. And which was an awesome note. I mean, I, Mm -hmm. on awesome note. And, so there's a scene in Warm Springs at the train station where there's a kid with polio. Ken Brana. Oh, he was good in the scene too. So there was there was an actual kid named Fred Botts who came to Warm Springs, mm-hmm. and it was a real like FDR did not want to stay at Warm Springs. Suddenly, all these disabled people started showing up. He was having a hard time seeing himself. His 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 whole mm-hmm. identification with himself was messed up. Mm-hmm. He suddenly people with disabilities start showing up. He's like, listen, I I. I, I came here to deal with me. I'm not here to deal with you. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of you. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just, you know, he was still really right. struggling with his identity. And then this kid showed up on the train who had been locked in the boxcar because he was disabled because wow. they wouldn't let him ride it. And he was practically dead locked wow. in this boxcar. And they, and Franklin was there waiting to leave, to go on a train to Washington to get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. And they opened the car and there was this kid. Wow. Mm. And so, mm. I had him wheel the so as he wheels the chair over to the conductor, and he reached up and from the back he grabbed him by like the back of his coat, but mm. up high between mm-hmm. the shoulder blades, which you could do because balance wise you could do sure. that. And he pulled the guy straight to the ground, mm. and he said, "How dare you!" And he just he just became the scare. And suddenly this guy is on the ground, and Franklin's put him there, mm. and it's like and he's screaming in the guy's face, mm-hmm. and Frank. Ken Brown was so scary in that chair, mm-hmm. and it was and it was the turning point for the character. So I had written and that's a trailer moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and it's it's yeah. a, it is in the trailer too. Yeah. It's in the trailer, and but this this writer was right. I hadn't taken the gloves mm-hmm. off. I hadn't made it ugly enough. Like Eleanor and him have this conversation, and she realizes he's not coming back to DC. He's mm-hmm. staying there. She's come down to get him, and now he's falling into this whole place and this world. And mm-hmm. she's like, he's really. Like they mm-hmm. and they have this this breakfast together, and she tries to broach the subject, and he's he basically kicks her out, mm-hmm. and in a very and it, it just everything needed to get to the point in yeah. a harder way, mm-hmm. and then when that that happened, and what was interesting is when I did that and went back through the script, I realized there was all this stuff I could take out. Oh, yeah. They kill your babies, yes. you know. They kill your babies, and suddenly. The script started 10 pages earlier. Suddenly, I was able to lift pretty quickly mm-hmm. all the stuff that I've been hanging on to and yeah. hanging on to because <laughs> it had taken, it was so hard to have written that scene. It was just, mm-hmm. I struggled and right. I just, there's, you know, that thing when you, you spent, you it know, must a, stay in. It, it's got to stay in because you work so friggin' hard. It, yeah. But it's not telling the story, it's yeah. not pointing the character. And then it, when you go back and look at it, you're like, what was I doing? That should have been gone a long time ago. Yes. Why was I holding on to this? Why was I holding yeah. Why did I keep those ugly shoes? Okay, I paid a lot of money for them, but I wore them once. They suck. Give them to somebody else who might really like them. Like, don't hang on to shit. So it just messes it up. So the, the read of the script gets streamlined because when your script is too filled with those great moments, the read is messed up yeah. because you want a, nothing to stop the reader. You want to push them through that story that they don't want to put that script down. Mm-hmm. And 
And when you get to those moments that you work too hard on, they, they, they close the script and put it down in those mm-hmm. moments. They feel it. So you want it, you want that read to fly. Mm-hmm. So suddenly I had a 110 page script and I'd had like a 122 page script. And suddenly these moments were just like, yeah. and, um, and, and I was home. So, uh, and then I, I, got that to an agent and, uh, and it, I knew that it was really, really good at that point. Mm-hmm. And so the first agent that read it called me up and it was a woman and she calls me and she goes, why did you write this? Hmm. I went, uh, she goes, no, really? Why? Like no <laughs> one wants to see a story about people in wheelchairs, mm-hmm. but I liked page one and I'd read your writing if you wrote something else. Mm-hmm. And I went, Okay, bye. And I went, all right, so <laughs> goodbye. I'm not, you know, and then I uh, sent it, it went to the next agents. Mm. And, uh, and it was interesting. They represent, you know, Wes Anderson and mm-hmm. Charlie Kaufman and like <laughs> the biggies. The biggies. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it went to them, and I got a phone. They, they got picked up in the morning, went to them, and by noon I had a call from the head of Lit saying, can you come in after lunch? Wow. Can you come in? And I went in and I was like, whoa. And I walked into this room and it was all these agents. That's the conference room, not just the office. It was like, it was like, and I was like, whoa. And, and the, the, the guy who was like designated to speak just went, who are you? Hmm. Who are you? And I went, oh, well, I, you know, I used to be an actress. He goes, no, 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 no. Who are you? Cause I, we're going to sell this. We're going to make, this is going to get made. This is like. I sell purses out my trunk. Okay. And I said, I have got this coach knockoff <laughs> that your wife is going to love. Brother man, brother man. So I was like, oh, okay. And, uh, and then that, and then I, and I sort of played hardball because there was one more agency that was going to read it, but I was just like, well, there's, you know, there's another agent who's going to read it. Who? And, and I was like, <laughs> uh, and that agent turned out they never read it. But a week, they just blew me off. But a week later, Been there, bitch. they they call back. This agency mm-hmm. call back, and they go, "Well, what what you know? What is it going to take?" And I was like, "Okay, I'll come with you." You know, so it was mm-hmm. like, and it, but and I did go with them, and they're mm-hmm. still my agents, mm-hmm. and they've you know, been with me through some pretty weird shit and some pretty great stuff mm-hmm. too. So, and that's the other thing you have to have an agent that doesn't just love you when you're doing great, but loves mm-hmm. you when things do fall to shit because they do. Cause it's show business mm-hmm. and show business is fucked up. <laughs> I mean, okay. it is you know fucked gonna, up. You know, we don't get into that. Cause oh, I know how you feel about God. that. Girl. Yes. <laughs> it is. I mean, and today of all days, just, just, just let it, we have a holiday, a national holiday for Martin Luther King, but he can't get nominated for an Oscar. You know, I mean, it's like, I mean, and yes, it got best movie and that's great. But I mean, the actor, the director, I mean, this is, this is, this is so stupid. (laughs) I, I'm, I am embarrassed for these people. We were talking before you came in front of a lot of these topics. We just happened to be yipping about what we were waiting for you. It seems like. They didn't give out the screeners for that movie. They didn't give out the screeners from Warner Brothers for The Good Lie either because they were only distributing those films. So they didn't have the financial incentive for it to win awards. They already have their little uh, model of what Mm. they think the movie's going to make. They also don't give out screeners when they're not working with directors Mm. that they think are going to make them a whole lot of money and they want to work with again. So like there's a movie that sucked, but 
it stars a big movie star, and he's. Not, it's not a movie that's award worthy, but they that studio sent out the screeners, did the screenings, all that stuff because they want that guy's next movie. Mm-hmm. They want to keep him happy. Mm-hmm. So this is where, um, and they do. So Paramount was resisting sending out the screeners because they didn't want to pay for them. I have the same issue. The with same the people good who life. made the Blind Side made her movie. You think? You'd think, but you know what? They didn't want to send out screeners for the blind side either. Ah, mm-hmm. so more mm-hmm. politics there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More politics there. And Selma mm-hmm. and The Good Lie are the two movies that got A-plus cinema scores this year. Two of the highest ever. 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 Mm-hmm. 35 mm-hmm. films have ever in the history like of movies. Ar- like Argo and like a couple of Argo, right, right. Uh, The King's Speech, mm-hmm. uh, The Godfather, <sighs> The Lion King, yeah. The Help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A-plus cinema score, which means that the people pulled coming out of the theater, everyone gave it an A+. Plus. It was unanimous. It's hard to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah. studios don't know how to get people into theaters mm-hmm. who aren't going to a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. So they don't know how to market. They don't trust that they know how to market. And certainly they messed up the marketing on The Good Lie. Mm-hmm. It was an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? There's no white savior in that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they threw one on the friggin' box mm-hmm. because... They didn't have a clue, mm-hmm. and when um, they they and the director and I went crazy. We well, went, speak, speaking yeah. of that though, what you did was you made the 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 the, the Africans the savior to Reese with the spoon. Yes, mm-hmm. they she save her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because mm-hmm. she's she's a messed up girl, mm-hmm. and they uh, and it's their story. No, mm-hmm. she doesn't come in for forty minutes, mm-hmm. but you got her big white head on the box. Yeah. You know, it's an, yeah. on the poster. Those right. posters. Right. So um, the very people that would want to see that movie didn't see it. Mm-hmm. The very people who would love that film mm-hmm. did not go see Correct. the movie. Mm-hmm. But then I got it an NAACP award for mm-hmm. screenplay. Mm-hmm. So, which means somebody watched the movie right. and knows that right. it's actually about something and right. it's kind of awesome and great mm-hmm. and it's doing great things for South Sudan as mm-hmm. we speak. So, but that's another story. So the, you know, Hollywood is a messed up place. Hollywood <laughs> really? has issues. How you really feel about it, girl? Yeah, I mean, I, I, and here I am, I'm cashing their checks. I make money, but mm-hmm. I also feel like I have a responsibility Okay. To move the ball forward. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. mean, because I live in this world with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had a project at HBO with Viola Davis and Dee Reese that we worked. Girl, so, I know, no, I know, just... I know. And it was my idea. And I went in and pitched it to HBO and they went, you can't write this. And I said, are, are you racist? And they went, no, but you, you, and I brought in Viola <laughs> and Viola was like, and here's the, the project. Mm-hmm. It's how hard it is for an African-American person to have to fit in and live with white people and go to work with them every day. Like how hard is it to be Obama? Mm. How do you have to cut the corners? Mm-hmm. How do you have to like do all this stuff so they can feel comfortable? Were we not just talking about this with That's Wilson? You were here. We're, oh my God. Were we you not just talking about this? We oh how you God. have to go in and like kind of 
bring it down mm-hmm. so that they everybody can be bring okay. Comfortable, yeah. yeah. Lisa talks about how she goes into rooms and has to decide which hat she's going to put on. That's right. What she has co- to code, code switch. switch. Like, what what am I going to bring to this? Place? And it, 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 I mean, it's it's so weary mm-hmm. <laughs> to do that. But I've been doing it for so long, and it's right. not until I realize you look back on it, it's like I do a lot. You know what? I have to do a lot of stuff mm-hmm. just to do basic shit. Mm-hmm. You know, literally, you have to walk in and be like. Okay, what kind of wife is this? Are yeah. they progressive? Have they ever been near white black people? Mm-hmm. Have they ever eaten collard greens before? <laughs> Do they know Michael Jackson? Do they? Have, you know, it's like there's certain comfort levels mm-hmm. before I can even even get comfortable myself. I have to be so aware of other people, mm-hmm. and it's very draining. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not just black people sure. and Asian women. Period. Too even white women when they walk into a room and it's mm-hmm. a bunch of men, it's like. All right. How are I mean, gonna, I feel the same way it? as a black gay man. I'm yeah. always like, you know, are they going to look at me on my little tight shirts or this queen coming in mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck? Right. You know what I mean? It's like, I and work out, bitch. Work out. Bald, you know what I mean? So you got right. all those things. It's all those things, you, worrying you know? about that yeah. when it's like, and you can't even really present your true self mm-hmm. because you're so worried about making other people feel comfortable when you sure. should just be comfortable with yourself and they should love that. Mm-hmm. You know? It is a weird weird thing so viola that so i had this whole premise because there's a a private school in la that has been had a african-american headmaster for years and boatloads of very wealthy african-american families go there but it is like the school that every white Mm. person wants to go to with with a little status and blah blah (laughs) so and i thought what must it be like to be her all day Mm, living wow. in that world with those people yes. mm-hmm. and uh you know looking after their kids but she's the boss but i mean i was like i was like oh this just this is just like got so all juicy. this stuff <laughs> so and d was writing it but um and then we just viola got offered scandal and then uh d got offered to do um Bessie Smith. It's Bessie Smith, right? Yeah, it's Bessie Smith. Yeah, yeah, doing Bessie Smith. And so, and then I got Red Band, and we all had other jobs just explode yeah. at the same time. But it's still something we have to, like, I saw Viola. I ran Viola into got her. Murder, by the way. Yeah, well, <laughs> she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, she's mm-hmm. so amazing. And uh, so I ran into her recently, and I was like, okay, we've got to, as soon as, like, the de- you're, everybody's got to calm, and then we've got to reconvene mm-hmm. and figure out. If we can do this, because D D then came in, and of course D had a lot to say. Mm-hmm. D's you know, and D's complicated, and yes. she's brilliant, mm-hmm. and so um, and she wanted to go down this other road that was wild, even wild for HBO. <laughs> and uh, we were like, oh my god, D, you are so brave. <laughs> and uh, so we we have to sort of, but it, the, my like my best friend. She's, as she said to me, you know, I wanted to make life as difficult as possible. I'm female, I'm African American, mm-hmm. and I'm gay. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is, I, I could just couldn't put myself in a corner. Mm-hmm. And so being her friend, it's always been interesting to watch that. And I've always felt that, um, there's, I've watched her drop her black, mm-hmm. right? Cold switch. <laughs> it's a yeah, switch. I've watched her do it. Uh-huh. And then I've watched her switch back on. And then I've mm-hmm. gone into San Francisco with her and seen her in clubs. And mm-hmm. that's a whole other part of her. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there are all these pieces of her. Mm-hmm. When does she get to put everything all together? Right. When does she get to just be her right. and not give a right. flying rat's ass right. about <laughs> making other people feel at ease? Right. So that's always... You know, and then it was so interesting. So I, I don't know how I got here, but it's it's this is a 
an element. And, and part of Franklin Roosevelt's journey in Warm Springs is he'd never been around African Americans when he went down there. Mm-hmm. Interesting. He'd never. never seen racism. He'd never seen poverty. He'd never seen illiteracy. Mm-hmm. He hadn't seen famine. He'd never seen anything. He'd always been in this very privileged, sheltered, right. northeastern right. world. So right. for him, it was an education that mm-hmm. ran right through his presidency. It's not like you could watch it on a TV back then. Right, right. right. And, sure. and that was a case where, you know, I am very proud to say that uh, – uh, George, uh, uh, Sergeant, Joseph Sergeant, the director who just died, and I, we discovered Nelson Ellis. He played, he yeah, then we gave him that his first big part. Man right there. <laughs> he is so great. You remember him from True Blood? Played um, Lafayette? Lafayette. Yeah. So we, we introduced uh, Nelson to HBO. God bless you. <laughs> and he worked on that film. He played, uh, uh, his valet down mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where do we find... Ken Brana's not that tall. So we were like, we've got to find someone who can lift and carry Ken Brana, who can act with mm-hmm. Ken Brana, okay. mm-hmm. and be convincing from that world. And in walks Nelson, former Marine, Juilliard mm-hmm. trained, and we're like, oh my... And, you know, and, you know <laughs> can pick Ken Brana up and throw him over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we're just like, oh my God, Nelson, you're amazing. And so mm-hmm. he was there. That was really... That was exciting. But... Yeah, so it's it's a complicated business because it's run by a lot of white guys. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> and yet the TV and the movies that pop mm-hmm. and have the most impact are ones that are these complicated stories that are about diversity mm-hmm. that are not down the middle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those are the films, and those are the films that permeate culture mm-hmm. and have the biggest impact and last for years. This is real. Because they're real. Like Mm -hmm. Shawshank Redemption is a really good example of a movie that uh, The Good Lie keeps getting compared to. Because Shawshank, they did not know how to market it. They couldn't get the audience. But the audience that did go came out and went, this is the greatest movie. This is the greatest movie. And it wasn't until Shawshank was uh, running on TV. That it picked up? That it picked up. It took a couple years. And now it's the most popular movie in the world. Wow. Mm -hmm. Because everybody identifies Mm -hmm. somehow with that story. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, my hope is that our film could have the same, okay. you know, trajectory as we move down the road. But it was a word of mouth right. film, and mm-hmm. word of mouth films, you know, they transcend yes. everything, and they transcend race, and they mm-hmm. and and male, female, and and where where the person lives and their status, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 I think that Hollywood is just be they're so behind. I just think they're really behind where the world actually is living right now. (laughs) And the outrage yesterday, certainly on Twitter and Facebook from women that Ava was not nominated was absolutely, they were livid. It was great. I had to turn my Twitter off. I had to turn off my face because they were going in yesterday. Well, and women (laughs) need to go in more often. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were just, yeah. You know, anger is not a bad thing because Mm -hmm. enough is enough. Mm -hmm. And it's, and then, you know, it's so embarrassing, Cheryl Boone Isaacs, mm-hmm. because her comments about it were so wrong. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> oh, God, you are, you sold your soul. And I mean, and she's, I'm sure she's not a bad person, but she's roughly obtuse. And well, we're going to put her in the corner. But, you know, doing her PR best yeah. to not insult 
the 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 people that have hired her to do this job, mm-hmm. which is awful, mm-hmm. and I feel for her there. But at the same time, oh, let's just tell the truth. What yeah. what's wrong with telling the truth? Yeah. Why do we have to make something up? Why do we have to find like some false reason? Here's mm-hmm. the deal: there are none of these movies that are nominated are about women. Right. There are no female stories. It's it's hard. You wouldn't yeah. even have if it was just best actors and you had twenty actors and there wasn't a female category. It, there'd be nineteen actors and w- one actress. True. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't even. Right. This is true. There's a huge. The only reason there are women nominated is they they had to be in those two categories. Mm-hmm. There are next to no women nominated exactly. in other categories. So this is this is a huge issue in mm-hmm. this business. And then the also the issue. Of the fact there's not a single African American actor <laughs> nominated. Um, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Were we in movies this year, last year? Uh, we, did we do no, anything? we didn't do anything. We didn't do nothing? No, no. Okay. We didn't do nothing? <laughs> I mean, it's just bizarre. And then I'll watch a film and I'll go, why is everybody in this movie white? <laughs> <laughs> like, here's a trip. Here's a trip. Here's, like, here's interesting. My, my partner, Scott, has been with him almost 14 years. He's white. And when I first met him, <clears throat> he would his favorite TV show was Friends, mm. right? I think it was off the air by then, but still, it was his favorite show. And he would watch that show, and I'd just be like, do we have to watch this show? And he didn't understand. I was like, there ain't no brothers on the damn show. Mm. I can't watch a show like that, right? Yeah. Now, six, seven years into the show? One. Actress. Or into our relationship? He is so aware, just like just Yeah. So observant about what's missing and where, why did uh, no people of color, like no Latin people, mm-hmm. no, I mean, just like he is so aware of it. It's interesting. Well, then my issue is like, they'll go, oh, yeah, you know, the, the doorman was black, so, uh, and I'm like, he now, <laughs> okay. I'm just like, oh my God. By the way, oh, you see when she said that, y'all, all the black people started laughing. <laughs> I'm just like, Everybody has you, a black friend. You know somebody. Yes. You have somebody. You should. Yeah, you should. <laughs> If you, if you if you don't, you suspect. Well, it's kind of like what Toni Morrison says. It's like in certain culture, like white culture, it's like it's always what's what's interesting about a particular culture or whatever it is is by what is missing from whatever that grouping oh, okay. is, mm-hmm. and it says a lot about your character based on what's missing. And mm-hmm. what's missing in a lot of these films is like like it's so disheartening to go to movies. Like I'm, a lot of times when I go to movies, I'm thinking, you know, a woman could have played that part. <laughs> what, well, yeah, how hard couldn't it have been? You mm-hmm. already got five or six dudes. What would have killed you to put two? Would have been interesting to see this actress play this or mm-hmm. this actress play that. Or you know what? You're living in a city where uh, I've been in that city and I know there's uh, <laughs> some color folk around mm-hmm. there somewhere. Why don't I see that? It's mm-hmm. like, even though Hollywood is the land of mythology and myths and dreams and fantasy mm-hmm. and make believe, there's still a notion of reality that sure. we got to buy into. And it's it's just it's just hard now for me to watch movies and be like. Really? You ain't got no women in here? <laughs> you ain't got no... Well, it's like 25% of speaking roles in movies are women. Women, yeah. And uh, 90% of those roles are played by women under 40. Yes. <laughs> so then you go, oh my God, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So... I was at um, a Christmas party of a friend of mine who's a TV writer. She's African-American. Mm-hmm. And there was like... And I'm, it's bad. I can't remember this guy's name. He's African-American. He's written for huge shows. He's been at it like 35 years. I'll mm-hmm. come up with the name of his company. And I, he fell over laughing when I said this. And I was like, I don't know why that's funny. And he was like, I said, try telling 
a liberal Hollywood person that they're mm. racist. Oh, it would never. They, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. But tell a racist they're racist, yeah. and they'll go, yeah, I'm kind of an asshole sometimes. I know it's really – like, I can get so much farther with yes. my conservative mm-hmm. friends yes. than I can with my liberal friends. That was a lesson I had to learn myself, too. It's like those people you think are liberal and progressive and spouse that stuff, a lot of times they're worse than the people who oh, are yeah. conservative. And you find out a lot of conservative people are really – they just upfront with stuff. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, oh, I didn't really realize that. Okay, well, maybe this is yes. this. And mm-hmm. liberals will hold on like, I am not. How dare you? How dare you? And I'll be like, dude, <laughs> chill. It's for real. It's really. Yeah. Right. 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 But the, it with liberals, it's really, and you'll go, that's kind of racist what you just said. <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, that's perfectly fine. I mean, that's just, a, you go, actually, you, you need, need to sit to, down right. and have a little come to Jesus, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you need a little come to Jesus with yourself when you're alone in the bathroom, you know? Mm-hmm. Because that is pretty douchey, what you said. And you're the, the bad part is that you think so highly of yourself that you've, mm-hmm. like, blocked out the ability to, to see that you are being horrible. You know, you're like, you, you've got this, these blinders on. Yeah, sure. Cause you're like patting yourself on the back and it's mm-hmm. like, there's no, no, no back padding. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's yeah. like when, when, did you, have you ever watched comedians in cars getting coffee and Jerry Seinfeld, yes. the, oh, one, yeah. the episode yeah. with Chris Rock? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't see the one with Chris oh, Rock. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> They're driving and Jerry Seinfeld is speeding and they get pulled over by a cop <laughs> and Chris <laughs> Rock just about, gets out of his skin and Jerry's like, but he goes, no, they're going to ask for my license. They're going to ask for my information. They're going to ask me to get out of the car. And Jerry Seinfeld is like, what are you talking about? And sure enough, the cop comes over and starts giving Chris Rock a hard time. And he's in the passenger seat. And he's in the passenger <laughs> that seat. That is I have been that person. That's funny. And it's like, That's well, funny. you know. What I got to get out the car for? I'm That's just funny. sitting there on the side. You know, and you saw Jerry Seinfeld go, oh shit, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What I think I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always appreciated Thirty Rock in the sense that she did. She was an she was an equal opportunity offender. Mm-hmm. They were all equally stupid about race, mm-hmm. and she inserted the conversation in everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so for that, I was like, "All right, good for you." Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, and I was like, "Well, that's that's in some way trying to move the ball forward Mm -hmm. in just having a discussion because that's the thing we don't talk about. And this is what Viola and I were saying to HBO. We don't. She just called her Viola. That's Uh, her thing. So, uh, uh, Miss Davis. Madam Um, V. She called her her V. Well, I do. We did. We, we, I called her V. But, um, so, but the idea that we have this elephant in the room and nobody's talking about it. Sure. And simply having the discussion makes people... Well, it's the thing. Black people, we talk about stuff all the time, but we can get... But it's like, if you try to talk to a white person about something, mm-hmm. I think on some level, too, they might be afraid that we're just going to, like, break out and just start wanting to fight. <laughs> but a lot of times, it's like, I appreciate it if someone just says, says something... And just says it. And it's like, okay, we can talk about it now. Sure. You know, let's not act like it doesn't exist mm-hmm. because that makes it worse for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and it makes me more uncomfortable. And it's like mm-hmm. we have to get past that. I think now with a lot of the backlash that's coming out at Hollywood, things are going to have to change. They have you to. know, because like you were talking about women when patting themselves on the back. For example, I love all the big superhero movies and things like that. But I was really pissed when they were like, well, we might do a Wonder Woman movie in like 2017 or whatever the year yeah, was. It was a long, like and 2019 like, or something. I got to wait. So, so 
Let me get this straight. <laughs> mm-hmm. A large portion of the audience are women. Yeah. Who are going to movies. And they're probably going to go see it twice. You surprised me with that. Did you say like 51%? I think it's like 50. At one point they were saying it was like almost like 52, 53% of women. More, more and women we will bring, go to movies and we, than men. And we mm-hmm. will go in groups. We will go in packs. Wow. We will bring the squad with mm-hmm. us. We make it a whole gathering mm-hmm. to go do something. And you're going to tell me that I got to wait for a Wonder Woman. You know, just to see one woman superhero character who mm-hmm. actually has some agency and is doing something <laughs> and is not just the random sidekick. Sure. I gotta wait so long for a Black Widow movie, mm-hmm. but you guys can have like 20,000 Avengers movies and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's like, we get one and we're supposed to be like, yay, yay us. <laughs> and I'm like, think of all the, just think capitalism here. Mm-hmm. If that's your money, your thing. The costumes you could be selling at Halloween, the marketing. <laughs> I know, it's true. The grown woman, I mean, I just saw recently someone did the grown woman underoos. They brought the underoos mm-hmm. back for grown people. <laughs> I'm trying to buy me some Wonder Woman underoos, you, you know, for grown. I had it when I was little. I would fly. I would wear that to the movie. You would. Girl. I would do that, you know. But it's like they Margaret. She'd be at Comic Con every year. Mm-hmm. So. Look, they I, I just don't because you can't but live I, in a bubble anymore. You can't. You can't. But I feel like. Women are part of the problem. First of all, women are still mean to other women, which is just so pathetic. No, I mean, not. that's just like the girl on girl <laughs> shit is so stupid. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, horrifying because there's a whole group of women out there who still think, I've just, it's just going to be me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to be the 10%, and I'm going to close the door behind me. Yeah. And and so there there's that issue in Hollywood because you've got a lot of prickly ladies in there. But then you go, women have got to get pissed. They've got to get mad. They've got to say, and I always say, where are our gay brothers? Because <laughs> if we teamed up with our gay brothers, mm. we would... Uh, be the majority over white dudes. Okay. So like, it's, especially it's, in Hollywood. Especially God damn it. in Hollywood. Like this isn't. This is a. You know, we can team up and take them out. Mm-hmm. You know, so and, you join us and eat googly and make some good shit, or we're gonna take you out. We're gonna take you out. So I'm always like, where? Why aren't we thinking more strategically mm-hmm. right. about this? Why aren't we inviting? Well, well, it's funny you say that because even at the Writers Guild, we'll have because I'm on the Gay and Lesbian Committee and I'm on the Education Committee. I'm on the Black Committee. But here's the difference. Whenever there's anything with like the women's committee, it's always just the women's project. When we do other other things, then it's like we try to include the other people that right. could come or not. Right. But the women are like, this is just for women. <laughs> we have fought very hard to get here. Mm-hmm. You guys already have everything. Mm-hmm. So this is just our thing. So it's almost hard to... That's true. To mm-hmm. that they have to kind of get them an alliance and like, look, yeah. we have to be allies with each other, mm-hmm. you know, and You have support. to build... This is Survivor, man. Right. And you got to build some alliances. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always... Like, women need to build more alliances. Right. Because... And then I also think women have to... It's all about bottom line. It's about money. And if women say, I'm not... We're not watching the Oscars. We're done. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. We're, that, that show... That train left, you know? And if, if we could get the gays not to watch the Oscars, <laughs> we could really make a dent in those numbers. Them bitches you know? be having parties. You know? oh, okay. <laughs> and then I, I do think that women have got to risk speaking up. Mm. And it's, it's yeah, because the first thing you're going to do, well, you know what? That bitch is talking too much. Mm-hmm. She's going to be a troublemaker. Mm-hmm. As, instead of being considered assertive, Mm-hmm. Vocal, opinionated, like she's gonna be a troublemaker. She's yeah. gonna bring issues. We don't want her kind mm-hmm. around us. And the same shit that you would say 
a white dude would say, and he'd just and be, be saying shit. Yeah, just saying yeah. some stuff. Oh my gosh, look what he said about women. Oh, he is such a great guy. Oh, and a woman said something that's basic. You know yeah, I mean? right. Oh, he look at well, I I I was working with this producer who uh, was always skipping out of meetings uh, <laughs> that we had to go be with his mistress, really? and his excuse would be, "Oh, my son has an ear infection," and. If we were meeting with a woman or a man, they'd be like, oh, my God, what a great guy. What an amazing dad. He is so cool. If I was in that meeting, I said, my, da- my daughter has an ear infection. They'd be like, see, she can't do her job. Yeah. She really can't. You know, look, mm-hmm. she doesn't have it together. Where's, does she have a babysitter? Then you, then, she- then, then you got to come out. I'm about to go see my jump off. Yeah. Um, uh, and I was I'll like, be back. I'm about to go see it's my not enough piece. that you're going to your mistress, but you get props for okay. your lie. <laughs> if I told the truth, I would be, yes. you know, they'd say, well, you can't mm-hmm. hire her. Don't, give, don't work with her. She's, you know, she's unreliable. You know, her kid got sick. Let, and she was Let like, me ask you, let's just go back a little bit. I want to talk about Red Baron for a moment, because that's an important one. Like, how did that all come about, and how did you get that? Well, Red Band was, I had written a pilot for Fox uh, for Terrence Carter, who I adore, Mm -hmm. and uh, about the West Memphis Three uh, murder trial that was uh, about these kids that were unjustly imprisoned for a crime they didn't commit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because I've been involved in the innocence programs, and I I have a friend who's the detective in Chicago that got the Ford Heights. Look, Margaret is sounding like an artist activist. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, it's Mm -hmm. that growing up in Berkeley, I think. But so my friend is the the detective that helped break the Ford Heights 4 and all these cases Mm -hmm. in Chicago that were really incredible, getting 19 people out of jail who were innocent and uh, on death row. So I've always wanted to write a show in that world because – that's not an easy thing, and it takes a really long time. Mm-hmm. It takes years. And so these guys, these kids in Arkansas, in Memphis, Arkansas, um, they were in jail for 18 years. And there was a guy that came down, and so it was, it was based on a true story, but I was fictionalizing it. And I wrote this pilot for Fox, and, and it was funny, and it was dark, and it was twisted, and we had a blast. And ultimately, Kevin Riley passed, but I had sort of... They liked my vibe. They liked my voice. They liked mm-hmm. the way I was, you mm-hmm. know, telling story. And at that time, Kevin Riley kept saying, I want cable shows on network. I don't want to make network shows. I want to mm-hmm. make cable shows. And so the next year, they sent me this red band uh, thing, the show from Spain with subtitles. And mm-hmm. I went, oh, wait, there's something here. Mm-hmm. And it was Steven Spielberg. and But it was ABC Studios. And, and I was like, that's a weird studio to work with Fox. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of like, that yeah. doesn't quite match up what I think you want. Talk so, about Disney. Okay. I know, Disney and, the, and this. And so it was always, that always made it very difficult. That mm-hmm. made, that was, that was the hard part. And then, so I went and wrote the pilot and Fox just loved everything I did. And they loved the casting that I wanted and the way everything that I wanted. But there was always sort of a trepidation on the mm-hmm. on the studio side. So then um, I ended up writing the pilot, had a blast, came at pilot came out great. Mm-hmm. And um, casting Octavia was you, Bill Top says it's like one of the best he ever saw. You know, uh, yeah, man. people think it's mm-hmm. people love the pilot. Yeah. And uh, and I Brian Bradley, who plays Astro, plays mm-hmm. one of the kids, and that was also a part that was and uh, was supposed to be it was not African-American mm-hmm. and I just, I saw Astro and I was like, oh, I can write for that mm-hmm. kid. That's a kid I w- mm-hmm. really want to write for. Mm-hmm. So we made this amazing pilot and it got picked up by Fox mm-hmm. and then uh, Kevin Riley got fired. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I went, That's ah, how it works, y'all. <laughs> okay, I don't know if they're going to want my, now ABC Studios sort of 
you know, I'm writing something operatic. I'm writing Empire in a hospital. I'm mm-hmm. writing something operatic that's going there. Mm-hmm. And I'm now... It's the Breakfast Club. It's the Breakfast <laughs> like, Club like in a hospital, you know? It and really then is. I'm not sure if I have the support to make that show. God. So mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it was politically, it was a very... And the good lie was... Uh, going to Toronto and, the, and going out and, and doing this this big big long press tour, mm-hmm. and it was a moment where I just went, you know, Danny Strong, who uh, co-created Empire with Lee Butler, mm-hmm. is a really close friend of mine. We both came up mm-hmm. together. We we were really drawn to similar material. Mm-hmm. We have different voices, but we have a very right. similar approach. And uh, he was like, "I'm not running this show. I'm not running the writers' room. I'm just, you know, I created these characters in this world and." Um, I'm there to say yay, but you know, and I went, I think I need to take the Danny strong road. I think that's a better road for me with this Mm -hmm. project because, and I need to be there for the good lie. And so it was, so I started because, and I had to go, I only wanted to write for cable. I didn't want to write for network. Mm-hmm. I, I was lured with the promise of a cable show mm-hmm. on network TV. Yeah, you have a more edgier voice. I have an edgier yeah. voice. Mm-hmm. I just do. I'm going to mm-hmm. go to places that. Right. So, and that quickly became not, I mean, that was not what this mm-hmm. was going to be. Sure. So there was either Battle Royale or mm-hmm. let's graciously sort of read the tea leaves really clearly. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's, and it, it all was kind of seamless. And so, you know, uh, and it did turn out to be a show that was a really hard thing to crack in series. Yeah. It was, it was. Octavia's brilliant. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but all the kids are great. It, the kids are all great. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, going to be one of those things that, that, like my so called life, you know, my so called life was 18 episodes. Mm-hmm. It had three different time slots. Mm-hmm. Eight, no one <laughs> knew what to do with it. Several different networks. No one knew what to do with it. But it lives on now mm-hmm. in that, mm-hmm. that Hulu iTunes space. Sure. And is, you know, this classic show. And mm-hmm. I think this will find its way as sort of its own 13-hour miniseries okay. yeah. story that and it'll, and it'll live beyond. So, but it was great to make the pilot. We shot it in Atlanta and had a great time. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it was time. To, the good lie, I spent 11 years trying to get that movie made. Wow. Y'all hear that? 11, 11 years. 11 Fuck. Mm-hmm. It's that passion, proud you're holding on to it, and so you know, for me uh, to not be there with that film, Mm -hmm. it was like you know, not seeing your kid go to college Mm -hmm. and graduate. I mean, it was it was a big thing for me, and Mm -hmm. and I made a commitment to tell that story no matter what and get it made no matter what, Mm -hmm. and I made a commitment to the Lost Boys and Girls that I would get it made and I would see it through, Mm -hmm. and so that was a and I took that commitment really serious. I (laughs) still take that commitment incredibly seriously and I'm still working my ass off um, all around the world with NGOs with UNICEF with Oxfam with enough project mm-hmm. uh, with Human Rights Watch who are and 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 now I'm going down the faith-based road as well mm-hmm. taking this movie out to the masses to see to yes. educate to inspire mm-hmm. because it's actually it's a very funny movie the first line in the film it is. it's really funny yeah, yeah. and it's uh, and it's incredibly hopeful and it's about it's about brothers and sisters. It's mm-hmm. about sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It's what you do for family. They're all family. just trying to get back to right. get back mm-hmm. together with each other. Right. And and uh, and the and their courage. And uh, so it's doing really well internationally. Okay, it's good. people are having a it, the the place where it didn't do well was here because we had the wrong marketing plan. Yeah. And we had this terrible release. And then when uh, it was screened for the Academy, people loved it. They mm. stayed right through the end and applauded. And mm. I started getting calls going. 
why aren't there more screenings? Why are there no screeners? Mm -hmm. And I was like, you, you know, these Academy Award campaigns are planned months in advance. It's a political campaign. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even with an A-plus cinema score, you know, Reese has her thing. She wants to promote herself in Wild. Mm -hmm. uh, Warner's wants to make other people happy. They don't see this as a money-making film. You know, it's like everybody's got their... Mm -hmm. They're hedging their bets. And so the, the Oscar voters actually aren't seeing all the material. Right. They're, and, they and have a limited true. pool to it's look true. at. Yeah. The it's studio true. is cherry-picking mm -hmm. what they're even going to consider to be nominated. Mm -hmm. And that's what's put in front of them. So all these decisions are made in advance. And we uh, got into the Toronto Film Festival, The Good Lie, and, and we had a, a screening that there was the longest standing ovation in the history of the Toronto Film really? Festival. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. It's amazing, and uh, and then suddenly we have this A plus cinema score. Ron Howard produced the film. He's never had an A plus cinema score on any of his movies, mm -hmm. but it was too late. The die was cast. We were mm -hmm. thrown into these theaters that we we should have been in sit down in small theaters in a handful of theaters mm -hmm. in urban environments, mm -hmm. and they somehow had this concept that. They could go to all these sort of faith-based places with the films, but you know, if you if you want to take a film to a faith-based community, you have to do like a year of prep exactly. work. Exactly, they're not just going to show your movie because right. right. somebody prays in a scene or right. something. That's not they're not. Yeah. It's it's you've got to you've got to work it. So they they completely miscalculated uh, where the film would play. The film is the strongest with urban males. Really? That's who loves the film. Interesting. And, okay. and that's exactly where they didn't market the yeah, film to. Right. So uh, we're on iTunes. We, uh, our first week on iTunes in December, they thought we would have 3000 uh, We'd make $3,000 on iTunes. <laughs> and we made $225,000 the very first that's week on iTunes. Really so we are, uh, we've been anywhere from number six to number 20 of downloaded movies the in the 20. country. In the top 20. That's good. And so, and we're in our fourth week. And okay. uh, so it's, we're, we're moving it forward, and now what I'm what I'm doing is organizing a whole educational outreach with the film. Okay. I'm mm -hmm. organizing for the public schools and private schools, and I'm getting people to donate those DVDs. Mm -hmm. The Holocaust Museum is going to teach genocide based on this wow. movie. Wow. They're creating a teaching plan for that, and I got some people to donate the money for that. Mm -hmm. Then I've got um, this whole faith-based thing, and then I've got law schools. Law schools, the most popular law right now is human rights law. Really? So law schools are going to start to teach the film. So, and I figured, you know, okay, there's this Hollywood timetable, right? But that's just a Hollywood timetable yeah. for awards. Right. That's not a timetable for life, right? No. You right. can find this movie anytime, anywhere in the sphere that you're in. Okay. And so, why not increase, maximize the opportunities to find the film? Because the film is like it just uh, this guy uh, Scott Flyer he uh, works with orphans around the world mm -hmm. and cuts through red tape and he gets money to get them things that they need immediately mm -hmm. and so he was in Tanzania and he played it uh, to a group of orphans there at the foot of uh, Mount Kilimanjaro he said <laughs> they, they talk for two and a half hours these kids wow. they go that's me that's mm -hmm. me. Look mm -hmm. at what they did. Look at how they powered through. Mm -hmm. They played it in Syria for children there. They're blown away by the film. They're like, that's my story. Mm -hmm. I'm a lost boy. Mm -hmm. I'm a lost girl. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting with, with writing in general, and I think this is so important to state, is the more specific you are in your storytelling, the more universal it the is. The more universal it is. Hello. So and then when, when you're giving these 
And we we don't really relate to her. She's <laughs> got to be like every woman. I'm like, no, no one relates to her if she's right. every woman. Right. They relate to her when she's got a problem and she has an issue and she has to solve it. She's getting shit from her mom. Right. And she's got a dream and she's got a, a kid that gives her crap and this and that and the other. And she lives, you know, in this town at this time. Right. And that's when people go, that the character is just... of this, mm-hmm. like, that's me. That thing, yeah. That's me. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just like the movie I just saw recently, Pay. Uh, Malo, bad hair, mm-hmm. and it's a small Venezuelan film. That's what you did the article. Yeah, I just did. Well, I wrote a piece for it on on Bitch Flicks about it, and I saw that movie about a little Venezuelan boy, black boy in Caracas. Mm-hmm. That was my life story. Mm-hmm. I saw literally. I was boohooing at scenes when he's trying to do his hair because <laughs> I was like, I remember that <laughs> Vaseline and blue magic hair grease mm-hmm. locked up in the bathroom, <laughs> slicking that stuff down mm-hmm. because trying I to wanted get to. Yeah, trying to look like my mom and my yeah. sister and all the rest of my relatives. Mm-hmm. And very, very specific storytelling. Mm-hmm. But the universe, I mean, for me, for that to be way down in South America and me way up here and mm-hmm. watch that and like, they are telling my life story mm-hmm. up here. You don't understand how powerful it is when you tell something so specific. And you, and you know, I think Hollywood just thinks that. Well, if it's not, if it's not a four-quadrant film of everybody, then it's not worth doing. Yeah. But I think it's kind of like what Wilson was talking about, we were talking about, and like what you're doing, Mark. It's like when you're kind of an artist and you're an activist too, I think we have to look beyond the, the basic Hollywood model. Sure. And understand that when you are a storyteller, you're telling a story for life. And you're going to change somebody's life. Okay. And you just don't know it. You if know? you don't know it, I always say it's like a message in a bottle. Yep. You throw mm-hmm. it out to sea, and you have no idea if mm-hmm. someone's ever going to read that message. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then one day, someone contacts you, and I've had this on every project, and they go, I got it. Right. I'm the person that got the message. Right. And, and they come to, it's really interesting when you've had stuff produced, and you'll see when it happens, is that... Two or three years later, sometimes, or five years later, right. someone comes to you and said, that happened to me. That was me. Mm-hmm. And I saw that film, and I knew mm-hmm. that I wasn't alone. Right. And that, and that, and I've watched it, or I've watched this five times. You're like, Warm Springs. It's so weird with Warm Springs, because it's that HBO doesn't even have it out on DVD or to download. Mm-hmm. You have to watch it. Uh, you can buy the DVD on, like, usedvds.com, or you go to – a lot of people watch it on YouTube, yeah. and it's there in, like, five sections. And mm-hmm. that's how people watch the movie, mm-hmm. and people watch it. Yeah. Or I, like, have soldiers that uh, were wounded in Iraq, mm-hmm. and they uh, – like uh, they in, uh, Walter Reed, for a long time, they would watch Warm Springs because mm-hmm. it was about – I'm not the man I thought I was right. anymore. What's my life going to be? Right. I don't have a life. Oh, wait, I can be president of the United States? Right. Fuck it, man. Right. You know, and it's like, it, and so wherever, and, and, and I know that with Red Band, like when Wilson was doing my so-called life, he would get these letters mm. uh, from kids, you know, in the middle of nowhere saying, I want to kill myself because mm. I'm gay. Mm-hmm. And I saw Ricky and, and uh, can I call you? Can I, and we would always like, go through all the mail for Ricky and call mm-hmm. every single person that yeah. had reached out. Cause it was too much for Wilson to deal sure, with because right. he was going through his own issues with his family. Right, right. And he was just a teenager. And he was a yeah, baby. Yeah. He was just a baby. Yeah. And that was a lot of responsibility. So we were like every single person who writes you, mm-hmm. we're calling him. And with red band, mm-hmm. um, there are kids with cancer and mm-hmm. they're, writing me on Twitter and I was like the show's canceled these kids watch it every week <laughs> yeah. and uh, there's a line um, oh god what's the line I wrote it it's in the pilot <laughs> like, I wrote it damn it um, about um, oh god I've got to look it up because I tweeted the line it's about the very you know surviving something mm-hmm. that you didn't expect to survive and and you're okay yeah mm-hmm. and something to that that 
essence and I put it up on Twitter because I knew these kids were so upset that the show was canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, luck, it, luck isn't getting what you want. It's surviving what you don't want. Mm, you put a flip on it. And like I'm that. surviving. Yeah. And that's a line that's in the pilot. It's really okay. important. And so I just put it up on Twitter because mm. I was like, they, I need to respond to them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's interesting. Or you're, uh, there's, a, there's a line in the pilot, your body isn't you, your soul is you. Mm-hmm. And they can never cut into your soul. Mm-hmm. And I put that. And I, so I was like, you have to like, take care of your audience. You have to right. like, okay, they're in a transition. They're kids. They, right. they love this show. And I was like, this show gets to live forever, guys. Mm-hmm. Because I was seeing, I went online and just started looking at like what, the kids are looking at, and there was mm-hmm. a lot of kids, particularly with Red Band, <clears throat> who were like in their hospital room, like talking to the camera, going, Oh my God, the character of such and such. Right. I have this, the same, whatever right. this character has. Right. It was amazing. And that's a responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's a responsibility. And you, as a writer, you have to take that sure. responsibility uh, to some degree and, mm-hmm. and, and, and respond to it. Like Winnie Holtzman was a real role model to me with my so-called life. Cause she took the responsibility of, of the kids that were going to be pulled out of their lives or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. come out before their families were ready because of Ricky. And mm-hmm. she was like, I I'm there, I'm there for you. And I'm taking that on. And mm-hmm. you know, you, y- you can't play with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's funny cause we had mentioned something about in terms of how people watch TV and films is so different. Like, it's not like the Nielsen days where, oh, we got to like, you know, it's got to like, over time we can build a show. Now it's like, it's got to pop. But with your show, I felt like a lot of people, like you were saying, like you DVR, we watch TV differently now. Yes. And you can't discount just because people aren't watching like the, however they're recording to see what the audience is. That might not be the true audience. That might be, you know, we might be the Saturday night binge watching Mm -hmm. people. We might be DVR a whole bunch of episodes. Mm -hmm. And then we find that time in our life to watch it and, because I'm a notorious binge watcher. <laughs> I'm a binge make, watcher too. I will make nibbles and too. in my jammies and watch that. <laughs> and how do we, how do we, you know, get those numbers to show people like just because you're seeing a show and it might not have a certain number or whatever, it's not popping the way they think it should. Get these people to understand that people watch TV, they watch it differently, and particularly that age. Yeah. So we had a hundred percent uptick. We double. Whatever our rating was, it would double with the DVR. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Double. Mm-hmm. So that's we're like the most DVR'd. It was the most DVR'd show. Not DVR'd. Who was not seeing that though? So and that's still, but it's network. It's not mm-hmm. cable. And cable, it's okay. Network is still that's a that's a scary thing. Their money's made Ooh, from advertising. <laughs> but you can still put advertising on stuff. And Hollywood needs to catch up. Yeah. That is so. We can't hear you very well, just so you know. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> but it's okay. Hollywood but it, needs yeah. to catch up. It does <laughs> yeah. need to catch up. It needs to understand how we consume media and how uh, younger people think, too, mm-hmm. about media. That's mm-hmm. also, there's a real disconnect with the world of the internet and mm-hmm. the world of how uh, young people consume information mm-hmm. and the people who are still putting out the information. They're putting out the information in ways that the majority of people are no longer taking their information that way. It's just it's, it's a disconnect. And most of the news that's coming on out, like, you know how I get my news now, Twitter? That's mm-hmm. my daughter. Like, her I, news they, from Twitter. They get mm-hmm. stuff. We get more information before the, the major networks get it. And then by the time the major network get it, it's like, yeah, yeah. You, you taught me yeah, that one. Yeah, now I just yeah. get up in the morning, I just yeah, flip my phone, I just start scrolling. spun the narrative mm-hmm. already. You done spun the narrative yeah. already. You done change what mm-hmm. the real people have said who were there taking pictures. Like, yeah, they, they doing this, y'all. But <laughs> also, I think what they don't get 
and this is really important, is that information has been democratized. Yes. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, Ava can go and put up that beautiful tweet yesterday that's mm-hmm. so classy and so gracious, and mm-hmm. the whole world sees it. She gets to, and then she doesn't have to give any more interviews. Exactly. Smart. And everybody sees it, back. and mm-hmm. I go, well, I'm going to tweet for it because I'm pissed off, you right, know, or right, this, and, and, right. and that um, you, they don't control what we think or see anymore. We have cell phones, we tweet, and that's terrifying. And so this model that they have is falling apart and they need the Silicon Valley. They need those minds up Mm -hmm. there. And Mm -hmm. Hollywood has been really slow to embrace that world and and learn and understand that world. Mm -hmm. You know, so that at their peril, at their peril. Mm-hmm. So, and even the way movies are released, you know, for the interview to be released the way it was and make, you know, $23 million, mm-hmm. this has been the, like, we kept saying, we're so close to having movies released on iTunes and in the theater at the sure. same time. They don't have to do sure. it soon enough. Mm-hmm. And they can do it, and they're still going to make all the money that they exactly. wanted. Exactly. And uh, probably going to make more because now we can just be at home and go boom. sometimes I don't feel like being around a bunch of teenagers messing up my <laughs> moments. Even though I love the movie theater experience, mm-hmm. sometimes like, you know what? My schedule's crazy. I want to see this movie. I'm going to watch it at home right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Here's my, here's my money. Mm-hmm. Take my money. I'd see so many more movies yes. if I did not have to park at Century City on a Saturday. <laughs> Oh my God! I, I hate that. And then we get spoiled with the screeners too, so that just makes. Oh my noise. God! Oh my God! Two more questions. For okay. You. Since we're talking about film and TV, let's talk about being a film and TV writer. Like, what's that like for you? Because we all do that, but you clearly do it successfully. How do you go back and forth between that? How do you handle your agents and stuff like that? If well, that's I, not I too have many two sets of agents. Okay. Who? Uh, wow. But they. Uh, talk to each other all the time mm-hmm. and uh, th- they have to keep the other apprised of what I'm thinking about or what I'm drawn to and I'm always drawn to material okay. it's not so much about th- you know is this story do I want to write for TV or do I want to write for film it's the story right. okay. it's always a- and the character so um, like right now I'm I ha- I, this is the first time I'm not writing something hmm. right now hmm. I'm not I'm gonna rewrite a movie Oh my my! It's really interesting. Uh, a lot of the movies that I wrote that I couldn't get made are now people want to make them. That's, that's what happens. So, uh, All you need is one. Yeah. So yeah. I have this one movie, The Gory Girls, uh, which is about the Texas prison system mm-hmm. uh, at the height of the depression, and uh, deals. You know, multi- you're such a dark writer. I I'm love so it. Yeah, she, it's funny. I love she's it. So funny too. You yeah. Have, yeah, because dark stuff is humorous. And yeah. what's interesting is a lot of times I hear people saying that women can't or don't write dark stuff True. or have that mindset, mm-hmm. and you have that mindset. And oh, I'm yeah. so happy that you're putting stuff out there that is dark and funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm always Twisted. asking, what is the value of a human life? Mm-hmm. That's I, it seems to be the not you know the knot that I'm trying to untie. That's her through line, and that's uh, my through line. Uh, and then also you know uh, how we try and put people how power is abused in our culture mm-hmm. so so all the time and and mm-hmm. all kinds of people abuse power mm-hmm. but that always seems to be uh, a part of what i do so the script the gory girls i'm gonna i'm gonna start a rewrite on that and then um and that's a feature that's a feature mm-hmm. and we have the financing and we have the director and we just okay. have to announce a star but it's not cast contingent mm-hmm. and then um i have this project that uh, a, a lovely movie star is looking at that I've had. I've been working on for both these projects are seven years. Wow, wow. I've been working on both of them. And then. Um, you hear that, Gary? Seven it takes years. Time, bitch. 
<laughs> well, here's where TV's great is that the Lost Boys project, uh, the producer died mm-hmm. suddenly. It went into turnaround. I mean, I had meetings. I had a meeting. Let me tell your audience uh, <laughs> where uh, the head of the studio kept changing, and the the last head of the studio that came in read the script and said in a meeting with us, "I read the script." And I just can't tell all these oh little black faces apart when I'm reading it. No. No. <laughs> Lisa is turning her little. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Without I'm any. Not, I'm not surprised. Any, any awareness. Yeah. Any yeah. of any kind. I'm not surprised. And we just went, oh, we are so dead at this studio, man. Wow. And she goes, I, I think I'd have to change the script a lot because I just, I just don't know what's going on. And I'm like. It's the Lost Boys. It's pretty clear, you know, mm-hmm. and these characters. It wasn't like, what's polio? It wasn't mm-hmm. like, it was like, no, 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 this is all laid out. You're, right. yeah. and so, um, and then the, the producer, ultimately, he fired me because he said, she's never going to make this unless I bring in some really famous white guy mm-hmm. who's gotten an Academy Award nomination. Yep. And then maybe we can push it over the hill, but it'll, mm-hmm. it'll be, you know, your script and da, 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 da. Yeah. And then they went, they sent the script out to all these writers and they all said, I'm not rewriting this script. The script is great. <laughs> that mm-hmm. I can't, that would be really wrong. Right. And, and I have to say writers do stand up for one another. They do. They have they some do. Integrity. They do. Go ahead, like my friend, John Logan, he will never rewrite another writer. Mm. I, I'd never rewrite another writer. Mm. I, I just think that would be, wouldn't be okay. Mm-hmm. Unless that writer and I sat down and, and did it together, maybe, mm-hmm. and it was going to help that writer. Mm-hmm. But I could never do that. Um, so anyway, uh, but then the producer, unfortunately, uh, passed away at 49, and then wow. the script was put mm-hmm. into turnaround, and they wouldn't let it out. And mm-hmm. five years later, I was able to get it out through a loophole in the Writers Guild. Mm-hmm. And, there was and re- like six, seven years or something. Yeah, yeah. and reacquire the script. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was still the writer on it and find, you know, financing and, and new producers and mm-hmm. get it done. But it was, and then there was always that, it's about, well, we really love it. It's a really good script. It's, it's about Africa, you know? And it'd be like, yeah. And they'd be like, well, you know. And I'm like, you know, um, I don't know. Hotel Rwanda made a boatload of money. Yeah. Did great. You know? Oscar nominations. Oscar nominations. And uh, Africa's a continent. You know? Uh, there are a yeah. lot of people there. Yeah, yes. there are a lot of people there. And you know what? They go to the movies. They do. And, um, and by the way, China loves Africa. Mm-hmm. And when you make an Africa-based story, mm-hmm. they, your biggest consumer is going to be China. And of course, Hollywood people you are gotta like, educate you got to educate them. They don't understand that. <laughs> and, they, and they went, really? And I'm like, oh, yeah. So anyway, um, so, but it, it's so... It, Google it, bitch. It's in there. Okay, Google it. So what happened was I had worked so long, I was going broke because I got a scale plus 10 for that project. And oh, I was okay. going years and years trying to get this made. And I finally mm-hmm. went to my agent and said, you've got to get me a TV job because I've got to get paid. Right. I have to get paid for I something. I can't be going out here selling these coach purses no I'm more. Gonna, like, I can't, my, my suppliers downtown have dried up. They've gone to jail. So anyway... Um, I, I've always turned to TV because it's instant gratification. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you get your pain up front. Mm-hmm. It's yes or it's no. There's no hanging on. There's no doing 20 drafts mm-hmm. just for favors. You know, if you did this thing or if you did this thing, right. there's none of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I turned to TV and then I realized, oh, well, TV is really fun. It's mm-hmm. fun to write with a room of writers. It's fun. It can be really mm-hmm. uh, therapeutic when you've been writing all by yourself mm-hmm. for years, pushing a rock uphill. Mm-hmm. Y- y- you know, so there's a part of TV that I, I 
I really love for that reason. Sure. And like, I loved working on the first season of Boardwalk. It was so uh, much fun. That was the best and, season. And it, those guys are great writers. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was an incredible. Terrence Winter and all the people. Mm-hmm. They're, they're wonderful. And, and, it, and it was really fun. And so, mm-hmm. and then I went back to feature writing again, mm-hmm. you know, and then, so, and then, Red Band came, I wasn't looking to write TV at that moment of time. I was really looking, I don't know what I was looking, I wasn't mm-hmm. looking to do that. So now it's sort of, what am I going to do next? And I think I'll probably do some feature work mm-hmm. and then get whatever that idea is myself for the next TV project. And then maybe write the first six episodes myself and do it in a cable model and go yeah. get independent financing and mm-hmm. cast the actors that I really right. think are the best for the parts. Cause mm-hmm. like, here's like Fargo, you've got a female lead who they found like in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be able to cast the best people. I don't mm-hmm. want to have to like, Oh, well this person was on this mm-hmm. and they really like nine person. million Twitter heads. And they got, you know, it's like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll make them a star and get them nine Twitter hit, right. million Twitter hits yeah. if they're great on this show. I mean, right. who was James Gandolfini? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, I want to, I want to do that. Mm. So I, my next venture into TV, will be a different model. And I'm really committed to, um, I've done 18 screenings of the movie. I've been going and, uh, going to fundraisers. I'm now going to be going to public schools in LA with the mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really committed. We're going to prisons with the movie. I, I am really committed. I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to tweet it today. Yeah, let definitely. people know that I watched it and go get it on iTunes. Oh, please, would you do that? Cause it's a three day weekend. I think people will be into Absolutely. download, mm-hmm. downloading it. Yeah. And so I'm, I am committed to that. And I, mm-hmm. I'm so proud that it, you know, got this NAACP nomination mm, and I'm taking um, some of the actors from the film with me and okay. nice. I hear it is the best party ever. <laughs> of course. Uh, you so, know, Snoop Dogg performs. Of course. And stuff. I hear it's so much fun. Like it's a great show. <laughs> so I'm, but I feel like I'm not done with the good lie and I'm mm-hmm. not done with helping and un, until I go broke doing this and then I'll figure, you know, I'll take it. But I, I, I have to, uh, UNICEF is using the film, you know, Sudan needs $65 million of uh, aid wow. right now there and going into this big humanitarian crisis. Mm-hmm. There's 250,000 people in the refugee camp now. Mm-hmm. There's um, 2 million displaced people. Right now we have 52 million displaced people on the planet wow. from conflict and war. Most of them are children. Yep. At the end of World War II, we had 50 million. So we have more at the end of World War II, and no one's opening their doors to take them. Mm-hmm. They're, on average, going to spend 17 years each in limbo. And that means their children, their grandchildren, mm-hmm. they're all growing up destabilized without education, without mm-hmm. nutrition. So I feel that is my cause. And if mm-hmm. this movie, uh, we played it for Congress. They were John McCain, Nancy Pelosi. They're crying. They're mm-hmm. hugging. We got all the people who are writing uh, checks for aid to come to the film. Um, we're trying to get a screening at the UN for the General Assembly coming okay. up. We're, I'm like, I'm serious. I didn't spend 11 years of my life yes. <laughs> for this movie not to do something. So we've raised uh, with our Good Life Fund for UNICEF. Uh, I don't know what the numbers are today, but it's inching up towards a million bucks and uh, we're just going to keep going. And I've been going to philanthropists. I've been going Mm -hmm. to, you know, if there's someone in a city who can write a check, I'll go show them the movie. I'll walk in. I'll take uh, one of the actors from the movie. Kuth wheel lives Mm -hmm. in LA. She's stunning. She's Mm -hmm. amazing. She's a lost girl herself. I'll just take her right in and we'll tell them, you know, here's what's happening in the world because, and this is the last thing is the media, not you, but the media does such a bad job. Um, getting to the heart of what's really mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. 
and and they're lazy. We're mm-hmm. we're in a world where the media's gotten really lazy, mm-hmm. and it's all of us with mm-hmm. social media that are actually reporting what's happening. Right. That's exactly your point. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. And and uh, so I can't. You know, I can't. If you know, I get choked up. But if someone's life gets saved from that movie, mm-hmm. then. You know, and if what is the value of a human life? Exactly. And if you can write something that can actually in, in change someone's life or help someone's life or open the doors for more immigration in this country, mm-hmm. which is what I'm really pushing for the film to do, mm-hmm. that's my in, then, well, then I have a great life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My life is better. Right. Every, every, you know, we don't do this, I don't do this to. Obviously, I don't do this to get famous or make money, or I would be doing something different. You know, I would be taking a different approach. I wouldn't be taking these hard-to-make projects. Mm -hmm. But I really do believe that at the end of the day, the work survives us. Right. And and, and that's what we all have to keep in mind. Because it's going to resonate with someone out there. And you might not think, oh, it might not be this year or next year, but you just never – like, you just don't even understand how powerful film is. You know? It's in a language that everybody, everybody. speaks. We mm-hmm. all speak film. Mm-hmm. And so the power of it to unite us, to bring us together, is everybody's human. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody's human. Right. Right? So uh, this is, I think film is one of our great hopes for yep. the world yep. um, as we move forward into uh, a time that is communication is increasingly delicate mm-hmm. um, and and free speech you know it's interesting in, in talking about what happened in Paris and they weren't talking about what was happening in Nigeria Both which was you know, yeah mm-hmm. and someone in the media said well they were killing journalists that's why they <laughs> reported it and mm-hmm. I was like oh god I, I don't want that to be true but right. anyway um, they killed people who had the very right that they were deprived of Mm-hmm. in their own culture, which mm-hmm. is free speech. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think when you deny people free speech, you create an anger and a fire inside of them and a repression that then gets released mm-hmm. in this really hostile, dangerous way. Right. And that free speech democratizes us and brings us all closer together. And like, I don't want to, I want to know who that person was before they were radicalized because mm-hmm. they're just like me. Right. Except they, 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 you know, we, mm-hmm. we're not going to work this out <laughs> by hating one another and bombing each. It's not going to, it's not going to work. We're mm-hmm. going to have to like, you know, just like women in Hollywood right. and African-Americans, we're right. going to have to figure out a way to break through this yep. using what we have available to us. Uh, but, but put the pedal, you know, the, put, put the pe- pedal to the pedal metal. To the yes. Yeah. And, and really, like, not back off. Mm-hmm. So I think that this moment with the Academy Awards and the amount of press and that mm-hmm. even white guys with white shows are saying, there are no people of color, there are no women nominated, yeah. is an opportunity for all of us to just say, doors open, we're coming in. Right. You're right, there's no one. Right. And, well, and drive it home. Right. Sorry to interrupt you. On that note, <laughs> thank yeah. you so much, Margaret. Yeah, I'm, uh, Margaret, I'm to have to, I have to ask you and Wilson Cruz not to be coming on our show making us cry <laughs> and getting emotional <laughs> over some really heavy, important stuff. I appreciate it, but... <laughs> well, I know, I'm such a Wilson. bummer! No! <laughs> it's not, no but, it, but Wilson's the but same way. You yeah. should see 
see when way. when Wilson and I we've done a bunch of uh, things together. Mm-hmm. He would write things, and we're up, we're like up on stage going, <laughs> and they're like, "You're not supposed to be crying. There's no crying in human rights." The two of you are, and we just bring out the worst. But and then if we have a drink together, it. because it's that art activism, it's the it's it's using art to make the world a better place, you know. And it's it's so needed right now. It it's is so, so needed, needed right now. And and the and Wilson is such a great. He's a born communicator. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's he's oh great. My gosh. He's uh, honey, you are too. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But I'll, I'll be up there with Wilson and I'm go, hot damn. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm so, pr- and, I, and I've also known him since he was 18 years old. So I'm very maternal and yeah. proud of him we're, too. We were talking before he started um, about him starting to write. And I was trying to teach him about you actors. Y'all need to, you can't just act motherfucker. You got to do something else too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You need to create some shit for yourself. And he's like, yeah, he's like, as I was driving here, I was thinking, I need to talk to Hilliard. We need to sit down and do this thing. And I was like, let's fucking start. Let's get it going. I had this big come to Jesus with him in the hotel in Atlanta after we'd had some tequila saying, you've got to write. And <laughs> he was like, he slammed the door in my face. He's like, I have to, I have a call time early in the morning. I cannot, but I know that he wants to. I know that it's there. And, um, and Wilson, if you're listening, Winnie and I were talking about this too over <laughs> Christmas that Wilson has to write. Yeah, has to. I'm gonna get them there too. Thank you guys. You're so great. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Tell we gotta tell them. You gotta go see her movie. Yes, the good lie, you guys. It's on iTunes. Go get it now. Now, please. (laughs) Talk to some people about it. Exactly. So, where can people find you if you don't mind them? them Oh yeah, there's uh, MargaretAngle.com. Find me on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Uh, Find me on Twitter. Find me on uh, Instagram. I love Instagram. Oh, it's so much fun. Photos. I love. I'm such a bad photographer, but you know, you can crop it, and you yeah. can light it, and you, you go got filters. Yeah, that might be kind of good. <laughs> Where you at, Lisa? Lisa Colt I'm on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm also at Bitchflix. So if you want to see some of my film reviews when I critique it with a feminist lens, intersectional bitch, intersectional. <laughs> you know, check me out there and. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm around. I'm doing my thing, and I love it. Thanks for the people on Twitter who have been talking about our show, asking us questions, being interactive. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the folks for Bitch Flicks for you know listening and yeah. uh, sharing and talking film. Yeah, because it's like we have to talk about these things. We mm-hmm. have to talk about bringing new voices to the table. Sure. And you know what? It's about time that I start yelling at people <laughs> and typing it up there and shaking my little fist and going, Hollywood, do better. I want more better movies. I want to see wonderful people. So You see what I got to do with Margaret? You see and I'm going to boycott the Oscars because, uh, not just because you know, of, of Ava, but because uh, my boy, Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. He was nominated. so good. He was he so was good. Robbed. He's robbed. So you know what, Jake? If you guys, I'm going to buy you a little Oscar thing at the uh, on Hollywood Boulevard where I get my little fake Oscars. <laughs> little nine ninety nine. And I'm going to just have my own little private Oscar powder line. They don't respect you. They don't understand what you got to give. Got He's so, so good. He's so, so good. good. I can believe but it. But I'm oh. happy that you know Tony Gilroy was nominated. So I'm yeah. I'm looking to see if that script Nightcrawler okay. gets some traction. Well, thank you again, all you guys. Thanks, Gary, for stepping in, hanging out with us. One of our young writers in here chilling with us. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, I am Hilliard Gus. Hilliard who? I don't again, know who you are. I know. Like, I'm tired today. Who are you? <laughs> no, you waited a long time. Again, too. again. What huh? is your name? You waited. We didn't I know. wait that. No, it wasn't that bad. He we were here talking pepperoni. about He got this cheese platter plate and cracker <laughs> stuff, and I'm just... A hot mess over here. <laughs> so again, I am Hilliard Guest, and you guys listen to Screenwriter's Rant Room. I put on my little radio voice. All sexy like. Oh, the quiet mm-hmm. storm. <laughs> She's squeezing my arm. <laughs> and um, so check it out. Um, all you guys, we appreciate it. 
please go on iTunes, Stitcher, give us a five-star review. We need that shit. And um, um, if you guys want to hit me up on Twitter, like I like to say Twitter, mm-hmm. that fake little English accent, mm-hmm. um, you guys can find me at Hilliard Guess. You guys want to follow the show <clears throat> at Screenwriters RR. Um, and if you have an email for us or anything, ScreenwritersRentRoom at gmail.com. Follow us. You know what to do. Um, last but not least, thank you guys, all the people who are listening to the show from all over all the countries, Canada, um, England, of course, Australia. <laughs> I was about to say New York. <laughs> countries. <and shit. laughs> it's its own country. country Let's face it. Same shit. Yeah. But New York is a big one, so that's why it was on my mind. Um, people like that. Brazil, you know, all you guys, you know who you are. We appreciate it. We love you guys. And um, so with that, keep it straight. Keep it opinionated. Wait, we didn't agree what we were going to say. We're going to say, never... we're going to say a thousand fifteen. All right, thousand fifteen. Okay. We say one hundred. We're mm-hmm. going up a little bit. Bill Top told us to go up a little bit. So on the show, we keep it street. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what? One thousand and fifteen. Yes, people. Peace, y'all. Fishing for attention, always end up in detention Cause he give him stuff to laugh about Was up late recording, so I'm going to class and passing out They said that I'd be only average, now I'm one of the baddest out Passion for this rapping, don't exactly know what that's about My rhetoric is evident, so you no longer have to doubt I'm always on time, yeah, I'm never late You're declining when you're rhyming Every time I levitate, they pick and choose Get confused, and every time I set them straight I'm speaking of my meat, then even vegans have to grab a plate The ones that passed him up back in the day Gonna have to wait, cause right now I I be out of state with Stacey about to grab a steak. Either way, what I'm trying to say is I can rap about anything. anything. I said about anything. Getting closer to my dreams, that's by any means necessary. It's scary, I'm seeing what it brings. Yeah, in my inner predividence, yeah, but I'm different from them in the past flow. Sick as syphilis, actually, syphilis doesn't attack like me, so syphilis fitness is after me. My brain is such a catastrophe, gorillas just look at the casualties, so get to that make it look casually. And so I rap with these feet up looking lax and free, lackadaisical, attacking Azazul while I'm rapping crazy, fool. I'm Matthew Damon, cool, rocking the shit in this one. I got the kick in the sun, I got the licorice tongue, pushing the words up, K's up, word up, cappuccino, third cup, late night. Sure enough, boss like my shirt tuck. Got these haters worked up while I get my work up. Kings and quests with some killers with this first stuff. Some people probably won't like this, that's fine. We're just following our dreams, no answer. Saying 
they made. Oh, my bad. Be reminded me of something. But nevertheless, remaining the quest is rare. Oh, fuck. I think my mind state is getting loose. Need to stop drinking in the booth. Or do I really? Or do I just say it? To make my verse get a little hype before you play it. Shit, I leave it to you. But see, I'm leisure cool. And on the proof to ease my mind. The mother whack tracks I did before I leave behind. Some niggas need the pine. I need to rhyme for rent, of course. The bitches heal. Houses wine as donkeys a Porsche. I push the Bentley, though. Vacate the Porsche. Head to Rome. And make a living. Leave the city before I head to home. Make cake from anything to feed the fam. Spread the love instead of blood. Need the grants. Don't speak your plans. Dummy. I always felt they couldn't fix the debt of feature. Can I tip my bros before the police and the pizza man? Forgot to give me a heart. No heart? heart? 